and welcome to PCTY Talks. I'm your host, Sherry Simpson. During our time together, we'll stay close to the news and info you need to succeed as an HR pro. And together, we'll explore topics around HR thought leadership, compliance, and real life HR situations we face every day. On today's episode, I have Dan Duckworth with me here today from Know Before. Uh, if you're if you're curious about that and that sounds familiar, I had Erica Lance on a few episodes ago, and she was just absolutely wonderful. And her organization is doing some really cool things. So we wanted to invite Dan on the show. Dan, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, Sherry. I appreciate it. Uh, definitely happy to be here today and share a little bit about uh, my story. Awesome. Well, let's start with a little bit about your story, about your your history in HR and what you do at Know Before. Awesome. So I will tell you, I kind of have been a, a world traveler of sorts. And, and the reason for that is I spent 20 plus years in the military and I was in the Air Force. And really, my passion came from my special duty positions later on in my career, which was about 10 plus years of my military career where I was a first sergeant. And I like to describe that position to those that aren't familiar with military uh, as a HR professional on steroids. And I would deal from things, you know, stretching from, you know, a suicidal ideation where I'm calling a mom, a dad, or family saying, hey, your son, your daughter, uh, this just happened, but we're taking care of them, to financial problems, uh, budgets, and, you know, ultimately helping people to be the best versions of themselves. And so when I when I transitioned from the military, I knew it would be a natural pivot to go into the HR space. Uh, some of the, the roles that most HR professionals are more, uh, they know what they are when I say them, unlike First Sergeant. I started out at Hillsborough County as a HRBP or Human Resource Business Partner, a really heavy concentration in the employee relations, employment law, that sort of thing. Made a couple pivots from there, kind of stayed in the same space. And then I ultimately landed here at No Before, where I've really had the opportunity to uh, grow quite a bit. And I am currently a director of people and culture, uh, responsible for all of our culture initiatives uh, as it relates to happiness, fun, morale, all of that fun stuff, as well as I lead a team of employee relations professionals. So I've had a pretty awesome career uh, up to this point, loving what I'm doing. Sounds like you fit definitely square in that role that we're seeing more and more in HR of this like employee experience guru that's got all these different components that really create a great employee experience. So um, it's awesome yeah. to see see that you're already in that role and that No Before is a little bit ahead of some other organizations. You know, you have this amazing history and you shared a little bit about, you know, difficult conversations that you've had in your military life. And we had a conversation a couple weeks ago offline and you got to share some really cool stuff with me that you're doing around difficult conversations. So I thought we'd start with, you know, what makes a conversation difficult? Let's go back to the basics as you've thought about that. You know, what are the things that come to mind when you think about difficult conversations? You know, so I, I love this. And, you know, I think, you know, when when I think about difficult conversations, one of the first things I think about are 
how high are the stakes? What are the stakes? You know, is this something, is this conversation uh, going to uh, end up with me not getting a promotion? Is it going to end up with me, um, you know, severing a significant relationship? You know, we can look at difficult conversations in our own personal lives, not just as it relates to the work environment. So I think, you know, understanding that, you know, that it could potentially impact our self-esteem. Uh, you know, I also think about things like, you know, when we're thinking about difficult conversations, our life experiences, our, our values, our belief systems are something that really ground our worldviews. And that's going to play out dramatically uh, in, you know, instances when the stakes are high. So I think it's really important uh, to highlight the fact that, that difficult conversations are uh, a part of our lives. And we're going to have those uh, instances where, you know, we are in a heated conversation, tensions high, emotions are high, and we need to make the best choices because we want to have effective teams. Uh, we want to have cohesive teams. And I think it's so important, you know, emotional intelligence is something that you know it comes to mind as well and if we don't have that or we're lacking in that area that's also going to play into how we deal with a conversation that's difficult you know with everything we have on our dockets in hr when it comes to training specifically you know we've got dni issues we have unconscious bias we have harassment we have you know maybe osha related training there's there's kind of this ongoing list in our heads all the time of things we need to get in front of our managers and our employees. We're going to talk a little bit in a minute about a model you created in your organization, but before that, I want to center around the value of training around difficult conversations, um, which we'll talk about your model next, but you know, where did you land in your organization identifying that as such a key component to have success with your managers? Well, so I think the reason we landed at you know, a space and building a space to have difficult conversations, not only for our managers, but for all employees. So peer to peer, uh, upward, down, lateral, sideways, all of that is because we, we saw trends that would kind of, you know, it'd be one of those things where it's a rinse and repeat. You know, every HR professional has dealt with someone that has had conflict with a peer or a manager, right? But it's always a, a different flavor. So it's never the same, but it, it's still a, a persistent and an issue that we see that comes up all the time. So what, what we first uh, realize is, hey, we have these trends. We, we have these uh, trends that, that are taking place and we also have these managers or employees that are seeking our assistance often to help them resolve these issues. And one of the things that, that, that really, you know, came out of that for me is that, hey, why don't we build a framework, something that can help them? And, you know, we are only few, right? There's only a few of us in every organization and there's multiple managers, there's multiple employees. We want to build a framework that, that puts this responsibility in their hands, but does so in a way that, that makes it 
you know, something that they can relate to, that it's, it's, it's an easy framework. Uh, and, you know, they're going to be able to do this without necessarily us holding their hands or going, uh, more importantly, and solving the problems for them. Most people don't want to talk to HR, right, in the first place. So if, if, we, can, if we can build them a roadmap, so to speak, to, to help them have these conversations, uh, that's a great thing. And I think that's something that we've been very successful at implementing. It ties right into creating that employee experience, right? Part of employee experience we talk a lot about is empowering the employee. And this is just one initiative to empower employees. I, I love that you have that focus on this isn't just for managers, it's for employees as well. Maybe you can walk us through, you know, what does that model look like that you're teaching? And then we'll go into some of the scenarios that you've mentioned before. Well, so first I'll start off by saying that, you know, when we when we think of conflict, most people think of fight or flight, right? We want to either, you know, we have guns a-blazing, uh, which isn't always the best approach, uh, or or maybe that person that, that maybe chooses a path of least of resistance, and, and maybe we want to avoid the conflict. But as you know, that any of those two responses doesn't necessarily help or equip us to solve the, the issues at hand. So when I think about, you know, how are we uh, building these conversations uh, to, to help employees be successful, I like to think of it in, in kind of the framework of a, a recipe. Right? We have a recipe for, uh, you know, these difficult conversations. Some uh, may want to put this ingredient. Some may want to add this, uh, but they, they may not all look the same. So in our framework, we have really kind of grounded it in empathy, first off. You know, what does it mean to be the other person or think of it from their point of view? And from there we've built a framework that allows them to uh, ultimately have these difficult conversations in a way that embodies that empathy and both parties can go away from it realizing that the other person really does have their interest at heart. They're not just coming at this from the uh, point of view, hey, winner take all, you know, this is the way this has to go or else. Maybe you can walk me through an example. I know I've done this one in my career. Um, I'm curious if this is built into your framework. Having the conversation with an employee who has bad body odor. I think this is something that comes yes. up in our careers. Um, and it's very personal and it's very sensitive. So if that's in your, your repertoire, I'd love to hear you kind of walk me through that example with your model. So so it is. And, and this is... This is a tough one. You know, it, I've talked to multiple managers and even peers, you know, that, has, yeah, I, I, I just tell them they, they don't smell good, you know, whatever the case. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, that, that's not probably going to go so well. And, you know, that is the reality is just like you said, Cherry, this is something that is of a sensitive nature. You know, if, if we really want to, you know, peel back the layers, you know, and we talk about this in this particular difficult conversation, that particular mod module, um, the employee may have a medical issue. It may be a lack of self-awareness. Uh, I reflect on my military days when I was, uh, you know, going through what we call dorms and or barracks, 
And we would often find that we have uh, young men and women uh, that had laundry that was nicely folded uh, in the perfect squares that they learned from basic training, tucked away into their, their drawers. Uh, but then the room like smelled like horrible. And we're like, well, what is going on here? So as I unpacked it with this one young airman, I remember it vividly. And ultimately, the airman was washing their clothes. They were, they were going through the process of taking their dirty laundry, putting it in the washing machine, then from the washing machine into the dryer, then getting it back to their room, folding it and putting it away. However, they missed a very important step. That step was to add laundry detergent right <laughs> so you know when i think about our framework and specifically about this particular uh instance with you know the the body odor we really do challenge the person that is having this difficult conversation with the other party to really reflect on the possibilities of what could be going on you know, whether it be a lack of self-awareness, whether it be uh, medically related, any of the above. And we challenge them to be sensitive in their exchange. Take them to a private setting. You'd be surprised, Sherry, how many people don't realize that going up and telling somebody, hey, you know, you smell bad and this is upsetting me and it's, it's, it's creating an environment where it's hard for me to work next to you. And doing that in a public setting, how uh, embarrassing, how demoralizing that can be, uh, the, the way it sets with the rest of the team, because they may be feeling it too, but they know that was not appropriate and, and it just made things really yucky. Uh, so we coach them through those small things, and we actually have uh, a script. Now, one thing I want to kind of highlight is with all of these scripts that we have, they're, they're, they're a framework. We are, it, they're, they're not prescriptive in nature, meaning in the sense that we're not giving them this framework and saying, hey, like a robot, you need to repeat this, 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 or else this is going to go horribly wrong. No, we want them to have a very general kind of framework that uses language that is very uh, neutral and, and sensitive in nature, and we want them to be themselves. We actually talk about being yourself, being the, the normal personality uh, that you are as you go into this, because we don't want these exchanges to be um, plastic, as was what I like to call it, you know, uh, or uh, they lack authenticity, um, because people read through those. So I think our framework really does a really good job of giving them those things and, and setting the parameters. And then another thing that I like to do is we build a role play in where they actually have an opportunity. We, this is where our ER professionals will step in again and we'll role play these instances with them. We will pretend to be this person that they have to have the conversation with. Uh, and and we, will, we will give them a run for their money. We do not make it easy for them. And we found after approximately uh, two or three of those role plays that if it's a peer type peer-to-peer -peer type conversation that has to happen, or if it's a manager to a, a junior, that they then are very capable of handling that, that conversation and, and using that uh, embedded empathy uh, that we, we speak so highly of in those conversations.
So as you were working through this methodology, I'm sure you kind of went back to your bag of tricks and thought about, you know, what are all the different scenarios I need to include in here? Maybe you could just give us a little peek behind the model and share some of those scenarios that I'm, I'm sure we are also trying to think through creating a model around. Yeah, so absolutely. So again, I, I, I go back to the trends piece. We, we have found that there are some things that just seem to pop up more often than others. So we've taken a look at those and we've really uh, managed to, through multiple different sources, whether it be exit surveys, whether it be climate assessment surveys, or just employee happiness surveys, we've really looked at the things that seem to reoccur and the themes that uh, are really difficult conversations. And, and we've looked at those things. And some of the things that we've identified, uh, the one we just spoke about momentarily uh, was the body odor one. We have ones that, you know, how to talk to your manager about, you know, you feeling deserving of a promotion or a raise. We have ones about, you know, for managers, you know, maybe we let an employee go, maybe they, 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 they no longer were meeting our needs or we weren't meeting theirs, maybe they left voluntarily. How to talk to the team about that, because a lot of times what will end up happening is that there is no conversation about it. Everybody's left in the dark. And then, you know, that's when people start to make their own assumptions. Right. So they start thinking about things like, OK, well, what does that mean for me? Which that's always a factor. What's in it for me? Uh, it, you know, am I going to get more work? Am, am I now going to uh, be on the chopping block myself? So that's a that's a conversation that we have found very that's actually one of our more popular ones for our managers, at least, that we make sure that every time that there's going to be uh, an instance where somebody is parting ways, whether it be on a voluntary involuntary, um, you know, sort of thing that they then go and talk to their teams. We also have them on a recent one and one that I'm currently working on a presentation uh, as I, I spoke to you about hoping to go to Sherm again this year is we have one on pronouns and in a particular scenario we have a an employee that is being misgendered by another employee so we then shape this conversation to show anybody uh, that, that has that happen, how do you go about, you know, calling that out in a, in a way that isn't going to further escalate the, the issue, but that lets them know, hey, this is wrong and, and we can't do this moving forward. Uh, so we have so many, but it really has boiled down to, you know, really looking at, you know, those feedback mechanisms that feedback to us, like those climate assessments, those exit surveys, asking our managers, asking our employees, hey, what are the things that are sometimes, you know, difficult for you uh, to address with others? And that's where we've really taken stock of that and built our conversations from. Just like anything that HR rolls out, there's also change management involved. So as you went through this and decided to take this approach, creating these um, scripts, as for lack of better description, what mistakes did you make? What did you learn? What would you change for those listening um, who want to do the same thing? I, I think that's a really good question. And, you know, I was, I, you know, as I think about this, 
uh, you know, this wasn't just a me effort. This was a team of professionals that really kind of rolled up their sleeves, jumped in and, and, you know, went full throttle with this. And I think if I was to reflect on any mistakes made uh, I, or any advice that I would like to give so you don't make mistakes, maybe even, is really look at, you know, this from a holistic point of view. Uh, you cannot be uh, too prescriptive in nature. You have to really look at the feedback loops that you currently have. Your employees are going to tell you when something's wrong. Your managers are certainly going to tell you when something's wrong. You need to take that from them and make sure that you're not ultimately just focused on the issues you believe there to be. And I think when we first started out, we really looked a lot at, and, we, and I feel like we focused too much on our discipline history. And that was, you know, okay in the beginning, but it wasn't necessarily, you know, what our managers or our employees were asking for. Uh, so I would say definitely pay attention to those feedback loops, whatever they may be for your organization, and, and take those into account. And, and those should weigh heavily uh, in your um, decisions as it relates to building out something like this. I think it's so good that you mentioned, you know, your assumption as an HR professional on what you thought would be the most helpful. We, we tend to start there first, and with a more modern workforce, we almost have to retrain our HR brains to go, no, I need to start from the employee's perspective and end at the HR space because I need to really know what they want. So I love that you shared that. You know, when you implemented this this program at, at No Before, what impact have you seen? You know, d was there a, you know, an ROI that you were looking at when you implemented this or has there been some added benefits? Are you having less of those conversations? I'm just curious how it's come to life now that it's been implemented. So I think our return on investment really has been that our employees, you know, are, are all across the board from our managers to those that are in the trenches have really become more comfortable and accepting of having these conversations and honestly so we call this <laughs> we call this series and and these this course that we have uh difficult conversations but i i almost wish i could go back and change it and i would change it to uh important conversations or our conversations that are are are, are part of our day-to-day you know, uh, dealings, because the reality is, is the return investment has been that our employees don't feel the need to do the fight or flight anymore. They don't want to, they don't put up their guns ablazing, and they also don't avoid these conversations. We also have a philosophy, and I don't know if um, Erica Lance, as you had spoke about uh, from your uh, previous podcast, uh, if this came up, but we have what we call a say it to your face philosophy. And, you know, I think a lot of people when they would, they would hear that probably initially, uh, it, they kind of cringe at that idea. But if you were to walk through our offices and ask any one of our employees, and by the way, we do ask them this in our surveys. Uh, if you were to ask them, you know, what is say it to their face? How does that make you feel? What does that mean to you? 
all of them, almost all of them, I would say, would tell you that they love it. It, it has given them an opportunity to have more thoughtful and considerate conversations with their peers and with their managers. So I think the return investment has been huge in the sense that they're comfortable having these conversations. They don't look at it as a further escalation of conflict, but as a mechanism or way to resolve conflicts. Uh, so I think this has been a great thing and, and we have seen a lot of our trends as it relates to some particular issues uh, that we've dubbed difficult conversations, those have trended downward and they continue to do so. It's awesome. It's always cool to hear when you've implemented a program that has such positive impact. Um, and you can absolutely rebrand it. Be agile. Do do you. Um, <laughs> yes. I, maybe you call it say it to your face conversations or something. <laughs> um, I absolutely love it. Dan, if somebody's listening and they want to reach out to you to, to learn more, get more specifics, how do they do that? I'd love to, uh, you know, take that journey with them. Uh, I've, I've actually had multiple engagements where I've actually showed them our, our course in Bridge. I've actually showed them the guidebook. Uh, unfortunately, it is proprietary in nature in the sense that it belongs to know before, even though, you know, I've been a part of that creation. But I would love for them to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm easy, easy to find on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm sure, uh, Sherry, you could pass that information along, but I'd love to connect with professionals, like-minded professionals, and uh, provide any insights that I can. Yeah, absolutely. I'll put your LinkedIn link in the show notes. Dan, as always, it was great chatting with you and just really cool hearing about your work you're doing in Know Before around uh, difficult, important, say-it-to-your-face conversations. Absolutely. Thank you, Sherry. I appreciate you having me. This podcast is brought to you by Paylocity a leading HCM provider that frees you from the tasks of today so you can focus more on the promise of tomorrow. If you'd like to submit a topic or appear as a guest on a future episode, email us at pctytalks at paylocity.com. <laughs>